This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Inyani de Yoima. We talked the, uh, the other day about Mechiras Chametz. I mentioned, I forgot to mention, it's interesting, they say over that this idea of Mechiras Chametz becoming a rabbi's job is a relatively recent development. Used to be, if someone owned Chabbat, he went to the Goyesha neighbor, his Goyesha partner, and he'd sell it to the Goyesha neighbor. They didn't involve the rabbi in the proceedings. And most business deals don't usually involve the rabbi. The guy does whatever he has to do with the Jew, and they figure out how to buy and sell things. This, over time, people knew how to do it. They knew which Kenyanim worked for a Jew, which Kenyanim worked with a guy, and it's complicated. Because not every Kenyan that two Jews can use with each other works with a Jew and a non-Jew. And we mentioned last time, and if you don't do this right, or the correct way, you could be running yourself into a serious assume. So it became the job of the rabbi. The other issue that was always a problem was, how do you get the chametz out of the rishos of the Yisrael? If you look in the Roshan, the Shulchan Aruch, he sounds like the, the, that in order for the sale to be valid, it has to be that the Chometz is removed from the possession of the Jew and goes to the guy. So it used to be, back in the day, when they used to sell, you know, they had a contained amount of Chometz. Rabbi Belsky, that's how he used to do this. He used to take a box with a couple things in it. He didn't sell Chometz gum, put a couple things in it. Go next door neighbor to the guy, knock on his door, give him the box, and make a Mechira that way. He didn't make this massive Mechira like we do today, where hundreds of people are selling gum one time. He took a, he took a little box, brought it to the guy, and it stayed in the guy. Because that's what it says in Shulchan Aruch. The Pashtas is that you have to take the Chometz out of the Rishos of the Yisrael. The problem is today, it's impossible. People have Chometz in so many different places in their home. There's so much of it. It's not practical to be able to uh, gather it all together. But in a, per, in, in a perfect world, that's the way it used to be done. So you, what do you do with the Chometz that was stuck on the walls of the spots? That's that. You have no choice. I'm saying, but that's Chometz that you were able to put in a box and bring it to the guy. That's what they used to do. So today we don't do that. So today there's other options of either selling the place where the Chometz is or you're Seichi or you rent it. But we circumvent this problem by coming up with a way to make it that halachically, at least it's considered not in the Rishus of the Yisrael, but rather in the Rishus of the guy. If you look at the Mishnah Brura, he talks about the idea of giving the guy access to your home, which would mean in that case you collect, you collect the keys. Right? The guy knocks on your door and he says, I want to have access to this house. So you got to give him a key, you got to give him some way to get into the house. So not everyone is so comfortable with A, giving their key to the rabbi, B, giving it for the rabbi to give to the guy. So generally what most people do is, is they tell the guy, if you want to get in, I'll get you in. So what do we do? We'll go to the owner and we'll ask him, please open the door for us. Now if we show up, if I show up with the guy and the guy says, I want access to this house, and you call the police on us, so you might, invail, you might make the whole Mechira bottle. Because what do you mean you're not calling the police? He has right. This is his. He owns it. How can you deny him ownership of something which he, you claimed on Erev Pesach? You sold it to him. So it has to be legitimate sale in that regard. But again, today, some Rabbonim require it. Most Rabbonim don't. They just ask you to have a way to get a hold of you. I always joke about it. We ask for cell phones. So we're just assuming that the guy won't call you on Yom Tif. He'll only come for you, you know. It's very nice to have a cell phone. That's if he's going to call you on Chalamoyim. If he comes the first night of Yom Tif and says, I want to speak to Pliny, who has a lot of schnapps in his house, and I'll give you his phone number, you can call him all day long. He's not going to answer because it's Yom Tif. But that's generally what we do. We give you access that if the guy needs to speak to the owner, we somehow can get him in. Okay, so tonight we have the Mitzvah the Rabbanon of Badika's Chametz. Opening... Daf M'sachem Daf Beis or La Ba'asur. That's the Mikor of B'dikas Chametz. It's a Mitzvah Derabbanan. Famous Machlokes Rashi Toisvus Tap Toisvus in Daf Beis of an Alf. Why exactly did Chazal institute B'dikas Chametz? What's the purpose? So Rashi says because if not, you're going to be every Bal Yirel Bal Yimotzi. If you don't go tonight searching your house for Chametz, you're going to violate the Yisur. Two Lavin the Rambam writes Bal Yirel Bal Yimotzi. So Toisvus right on the page asks, it's not true. 
you're not going to be over by Yerubah Yimotzi because we're all tonight going to say a Kol Chamira. So the moment you say Kol Chamira, you made the Chomets ownerless. Once the Chomets is ownerless, you're not over by Yerubah Yimotzi. It's a Frek Teisvis. So why do we have to do B'dikas Chomets? So Teisvis comes up with the more classical Pshat that many people are aware of. We're not worried about a Surim. We're worried about you may come to actually eat the Chomets. People forget there's two separate Surim on Pesach. There's Bal Yerubah Yimotzi, which is a lav. Then there's eating Chomets, which is Bikaris. And even if it's not your chametz, if you take a goy's chametz and eat it, you're also going to get karis. It doesn't have to belong to you. The Yisra of Baal Yiro, which is only a lav, and it's a lav shame by Maisa Pashtas, according to the Rambam, that's true if it's yours. If it's not yours, you're not even Baal Yiro, right? That's why even though there's going to be chametz in many people's homes of a Pesach, because it's the goy's. I'm not even Baal Yiro, it's not my chametz. But if you eat it, I don't care whose chametz it is, you're going to be over karis. That's in your chametz on Pesach, it's bikaris. Bemazed. Therefore, says Taisus, in order to ensure that no one has v'shalom eats chametz, we got to make sure the house is clean. So we clean the house to make sure there's no chametz, and that's the logic, says Taisus, to why we do bedikas chametz. There is a big discussion amongst the contemporary Paiskim right, in the times of the Mishnah, the uh, times of the Gemara, they, 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 they did bedikas chametz belayla, like we're going to do tonight. There's a, there's a big machalikis we're showing them what's layla. When should you do bedikas chametz? So if you look in Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch writes, betchilas lel yudal, the beginning of the night. What's the beginning of the night? So the Mishnaburu writes and the Archa Shulchan write. It means after Tzayis Eikachov. That we're Rishonim would disagree. Some Rishonim held you should do it at Shkia Sachama. So someone just reached out to me a few minutes ago, uh, half an hour ago. He told me in his shul they're putting down Zman B'dikas Chametz right after Shkia. So I happen to think it might have been a typo in the shul's, not this shul, we wouldn't have typos here. But in a different shul, I think it was a typo that they put down B'dikas Chametz right after Shkia. I don't think that's the accepted practice. The accepted practice is to do B'dikas Chametz at Tzayis Eikachovim. Which is, uh, is about 50 to 60, whatever. We'll talk about how much minutes after Shkia. I think it's just a typo, but there is Shitas Rishonim like that, that Badigas Chamet should take place right after Shkia, not right after Tzay Sekhachav. But we used to do the times of the Mishnah, the times of the Mishnah, they did Badigas Chamet's Lara Ner. Why they do Lara Ner? Because that was the best way to be able to see the small crevices was with a candle. That was the best way to be able to see where there was Chamet. So the question always comes up is what about today? Many people today don't like using candles, it's dangerous. Stories have happened of Nebuch tragedies because people did B'dikas Chomets with a candle. We have the invention of flashlights. So should we skip the whole candle and just go with the flashlight? I know it doesn't go with the B'dikas Chomets set. Because you buy a B'dikas Chomets set, they give you a candle, they give you a feather and a wooden stick. So I always say, what, what's the wooden stick doing there? So I have a mahalach based on a rashash. The rashash writes, we know that uh, we'll get to Sreifah's Chomets sometime tonight, that there's Machoikis Tanoim, Tanakam Rebbe Yehuda, how to get rid of Chomets on Pesach. The Torah doesn't say how to get rid of it. The Torah says, Tashvizus Ami Batechim, get rid of it. How do you get rid of it? The Torah doesn't tell us. So Machoikis Tanakam Rebbe Yehuda, Tanakam holds, the way you get rid of it is however you get rid of it. We don't care. No specific way to get rid of it. Burn it, eat it, throw it in the garbage, dump it, pollute it, whatever. Just get rid of it. We don't care how you get rid of it. Rebbe Yehuda says, no, you have to burn it. If we just know there's a hakbada bedavka to burn the chametz, which is what most of Klai Israel does today. If you look in Shulchan Aruch, rather, the Mechabe Paskids like the Tanakam. They don't have to do Sreifus chametz. You could take the chametz and dump it in a public garbage for the same price. You could take the chametz and flush it down the toilet. You could take the chametz and throw it into the ocean. You don't have to burn the chametz. So why do we burn the chametz? Why are we so makbid on burning the chametz? Because the, the Ramah writes, we're choishish for the shitas Rebbe Huda. We try to get Rebbe Huda shita. Now, what's Rabbi Yehuda's sheet? Rabbi Yehuda holds you have to burn it. Why does Rabbi Yehuda hold you have to burn the chametz? So he learns it from Noiser. He makes a limit from Noiser. Just like Noiser you burn, here also you, you burn. So Rashash is Mitzayin to a Taisvis, I think. I think he quotes a Taisvis. That by Noiser there was Akbada to burn a, tafka, a fire with Eitzim. There should be wood in the fire. 
So I thought maybe that's why they put the wooden stick in the Bidikas Chametzet. Because since Shreifas Chametz is Doimit Noiser, and by Noiser you had to have a fire made of Eitzim, so in order to make sure there's Eitzim in your fire, you have that little piece of wood from the Bidikas Chametzet. So now you have Eitzim in the fire, now you yoitzah that Chumrah to compare it to Noiser. But the feather is for the crumbs. That I always thought was simple. That was for the crumbs. That was for the crumbs, so you can sweep them up easier, I guess. The spoon was always to sweep the crumbs into the spoon. Okay, I guess that's the other reason for it, I guess. Yeah, no, that's what people do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's not... Uh, Otherwise, but, you could have just put in a, some wooden, some, some uh, chopsticks. Yeah, I don't think this was their cheshmer. I don't think this was their cheshmer. I think their cheshmer was like you're saying, but uh, I'll pee drush, maybe this was the reason. In any case, so what about using a, a, a flashlight for B'dikas Chametz? So it's interesting, if you look at some of the achroinim, the angle they take to the sugya, meaning if someone would have asked me, can you use a flashlight for B'dikas Chametz? I would have asked, well, what is the purpose of B'dikas Chametz? B'dikas Chametz is to find Chametz. You should use the thing that will give you the best chance to find Chametz. Right? So right in the Gemara, the Gemara says, don't use an avuka. Don't use a torch, because with the torch, you're not going to go into the crevices. So I would have argued that just strictly speaking, logically, the best thing would be a flashlight. You're not scared of fires. You'll be able to get into small crevices. You'll be able to do the best job. So right off the bat, I would say, Avada, flashlight is your best option. The problem that many Echorinim work with is the Ran over there in Psachim. The Ran says that the idea of using an ash or a fire is learned out from a Pasuk. So they're not so quick just to machavek the usage of ash. So they start to say, well, maybe electricity is also ash. Now, this is the old issue. Maybe every flashlight and every light is, might be ash itself. So that might help you for if you're using a flashlight. Using an LED light, it's going to be a much harder sell than an LED light is ash. A flashlight, maybe, maybe you could argue that that is ash. That's always the issue with, uh, we spoke many times, with Hanukkah light and Shabbos candles and other things. But so some Akhren go that angle. They say, well, maybe you can use something which also has the shame ash. So Rav Moshe and Bianchev had the following, uh, I guess we'll call it a Pshara. They held that you should start B'dikas Chametz with a candle. Make the bracha on the candle. Do a shtickle bedika with the candle, and then blow out the candle and do the rest of the bedika with the flashlight. That was the pshar, I guess, that they felt was the, the best option to do. And st- this way you get a little bit of both. But it's interesting, you just have to think about it for a second. Whenever you're going to do that, just make sure your first looking is actually somewhere where there might be chametz. And a lot of us are, are you know, you, you have the candle, then you, you, go, you go two steps, and then you blow it out. You, you didn't do anything with that. You've got to look. How do you differentiate between a flashlight and an LED? Because fla- by a flashlight, there might be some form of ash there. There might be an incandescent light bulb is still considered ash. A piece, an LED is just, there's no, nothing getting hot. There's nothing getting hot. There's no, there's no source of heat. There's no metal that's getting hot in an LED light. Halachalamaisa, I definitely suggest we should use flashlights because it's much safer. But also, you know, the Minigan Klaisro, again, this is a Biakov and Ramosh's Psak that we should use the candle in the beginning a little bit. Then we switch over to the lights, and this is where we get to Alashitas. Many people have a practice that they turn the lights off for Bedikas Chametz. Do you really have to turn off the lights for Bedikas Chametz? So I just so quoted B'Shem B'Biankiv, Rav Moshe, B'Shem Ezalman, the stipler, they all did Bedikas Chametz with the lights on. They felt there's no reason to turn the lights off. They felt that when the Gemara talks about dark and light, they were talking about natural sunlight versus candlelight. But today when you have lights, you know, someone once told me, if you lose something in your house, you, don't, you turn off the lights and put on a flashlight, you might use a flashlight also, but you'll still keep the lights overhead up. So many achorinim hold, there is no obligation to turn off the lights. It's definitely much more geschmack to have the lights off. The kids love it, it's spooky, it's exciting, and the lights are off, but from a halachic standpoint, there is no din that you necessarily have to turn off the lights. You could keep the lights on. We spoke about before that B'dikas uh, Chamet should take place at Seisei Kechavim, which is approximately sometime between 8.05 and 8.10, depending on how you calculate Seisei Kechavim. You don't have to wait so long, it's only the Rabbanah. 
Because chametz at best is a mitzvah derabanan. You don't have to wait so many minutes for it, but you'll have to wait. However, you're going to calculate says hakachavim. But once it hits says hakachavim, you should start right away. Meaning, you shouldn't come home after Mary and start, you know, doing Pesach prep and things like that. You should really start right away because we're always afraid that people are going to get caught up and forget to do bedikas chametz. Tonight's a very busy night. We know Erev Pesach is the busiest day. The Jewish calendar, even from a halachic standpoint, so tonight's also very busy. So if you're going to get home and first start schmoozing about Pesach and cooking and cleaning, so go straight to do B'dikas Chametz when you come home, do it immediately. After a person does B'dikas Chametz of his home, he should be B'dik the other parts that also need B'dika, but don't need B'dika with a bracha. Many contemporary Achrenin talk about certain things that should do B'dika, but they're not why Chazal instituted B'dikas Chametz, meaning, let's say your car. Your car should need bedika. Now, if a person only had a car and he didn't have a home, he probably wouldn't have to only do bedikas chametz on his car, unless he lived in his car. But, I mean, Chazal would never masakim bedikas chametz on a car, but it's a place that someone should check. So the Chorinim talk about you should try to check your car. So right after you bedik the house, you're not going to make another bracha on the car, so you should try not to be mafsik. And go straight to the cars and be boydik the cars right afterwards. Some people are boydik their pockets tonight. They're boydik the pockets of their suits. They're boydik, you know, uh, their bags. And these things really could have been done before Pesach. Your bags, your suitcases. Suitcases is you find a lot of good stuff in a suitcase. Again, especially if you're not going away for Pesach, you want to check your suitcases, briefcases, knapsacks with children. Uh, a lot of things just we don't think about that should be checked because, again, we, we travel a lot and we have things in our pockets all the time. And all these things should be checked. But there's no bracha made on these things uh, alone. It's an interesting Shaila. What what is the status of our homes today? Meaning the halach is very clearly they, there's no chiv bedik on a makim she'ei machnis bechamis. If you have a place that's checked and clean, there's no chiv bedik because what was the purpose of bedikas chamis to try to find chamis? So if you know this place is spot clean, it was here. You had twenty people crew up and down cleaning it for the last week. So it's what we call a makim she'ei machnis bechamis. There's no chamis there. So there's a big question of whether or not our homes are really considered a makim she'ei machnis bechamis. Many of us spent a lot of time cleaning and, and, and hired help and cleaning ladies, and we did it ourselves and our wives, and we pitched in whatever. So the question really is: Is our home now a makim she'ei machnis bechamis? So if our home is a makim she'ei machnis bechamis, how do we even make a bracha on the bedikas chamis? So the Mishnebura writes, and Rabbi Yashif says it as well, that that's why you have to put it the ten pieces of bread. Even though there was a question in the Ramah whether or not you really have to put out the 10 pieces of bread, but he said today, you definitely have to put out the 10 pieces of bread. Because if you don't put out the 10 pieces of bread, your house is Mamash Makim Shei Machnis Machamets. Makim Shei Machnis Machamets has no Chiv Bedika. So the truth is, I, I'm a little skeptical. I've seen over my years with cleaning ladies, even if you have cleaning ladies, it's still a Makim Shei Machnis Machamets. Cleaning ladies' mentality is I clean as much as the eye sees. I clean enough that the lady won't yell at me that there's something out. They're not cleaning for Hilchas Pesach purposes. They don't know Hilchas Pesach. They're cleaning enough that no one yells at them that why is there a candy on the carpet? But if it goes under the carpet, it goes under the cushion or the couch, it doesn't bother them. So I'm not convinced, unless it went through by a Yiddish imam who went through the house, that's Taka Mokim Shei Machnis Bechamis. Just a cleaning lady, I'm not convinced it makes it a Mokim Shei Machnis Bechamis because they're not cleaning for halacha. They're cleaning just for what the eye sees. So therefore they're willing to move things around and move and push, but they're not necessarily going to make it a makim she'i machnis b'chamit. So I'm not so convinced that even, unless, uh, unless the, the, the wife of the mother of the house went through the house, then it's taka makim she'i machnis b'chamit. Once she goes through it, then there's no shayla. Then it's, uh, it's pretty clean. Again, there are other elements also. You can have children that brought some b'chamit from the outside. But if it's just adults, and someone really went through the house thoroughly, it is a taka, a good shayla, that the house might be considered a makim she'i machnis b'chamit. So that's why the minute today is that we try to uh, we try to put out the ten pieces of bread. It's interesting if you look in the Ramon Shulchan Aruch, he brings down the idea of the ten pieces of bread. He never says ten pieces. The ten pieces comes from the Ariza. 
The Ramah himself just says, put 10 pieces. Now it's interesting, many people were very skeptical against this Ramah, about putting out the 10 pieces of bread. And their argument was, why would you put pieces of bread into a nice clean house? You have a nice clean house, you know, I give the muscle for those who have the sheet about vaccination, right? It's like taking a healthy person and ejecting him with a vaccine that he might not need. You take someone healthy and you put something not healthy. So you take a beautiful clean house and you sprinkle 10 pieces of bread around the house. So the Akhrayim said, why would you do that? Why would you bring chametz into a house just to make it a question? So it was, it was always met with skepticism whether or not that's the right thing to do. The minute today is that we do, and according to the Mishnah Brewer and Rabbi Yashiv, it could be we need to do it today, because if not, we run into a shayla of a makam she machnis and bachamitz. The question is, let's say, for example, a person is traveling for yamtif. Let's say going to a hotel, okay? So if you're going to a hotel, so you'll be home tonight. So if you're home tonight, you should be boidik in your house. For those that left already, the Allah is that boidik the last night that they're home. So if a person travels today, so he was boidik last night. The only time you boidik with a brach is if you boidik tonight. Tonight's the only time you can make a brach. If you boidik three days in advance, you don't make a brach. If you boidik tomorrow afternoon, you don't make a brach. Tonight, tonight's when you make the brach. That's when the Chazal established the mitzvah. So let's say, for example, a guy goes to a hotel. So he was home tonight, made a badik in his house. Now he has a new bias for, uh, in the hotel. So many can suggest that in the hotel he should do a little bit of a badika, check around to see what's there. Now, I happen to think hotel rooms are not makim she... I don't think they're considered a makim she machdis v'chametz. One year I was at a Pesach thing, a Pesach hotel, I looked under the bed, there was a can of soda right under the bed. Mamish, like I said, because the cleaning crew doesn't worry about cleanliness, they worry about getting caught that it's not clean. You think they care about chametz? It was right under the bed, it wasn't hard to find. Lift the sheet, right, there was a can of soda. So I rather would argue that hotel rooms are uh, makim that you need to check. So if a person goes tomorrow to a hotel, he should take a check it. There's a question of, let's say you rent a car. So some place can say, if you rent a car tomorrow, or over Pesach, or over Cholamite, so you should try to check the car also. Rental cars, I'm sure everyone has their own stories about how dirty rental cars can be sometimes. They definitely don't check them thoroughly for chametz. Definitely, I don't think they check hotel rooms either. Some, let's say someone goes away for the second day of Yom Tov, he goes to Cholamite, he goes to a hotel. So he should do a badik on the day that he moves into the hotel. He should be buried on some level, but again, without a bracha. There is an interesting shayla about, let's say, you have married kids come for Yom Tov. So married kids come for Yom Tov, sometimes they come early. I don't know if their parents and illness want them so early, but they come early anyways. They show up tonight. They move in for the extended stay. They come tonight already. So the question is, do they have a chiv badik on their room that they're going to be staying in for the duration of their stay at your house? So uh, I thought not. I always thought for the Pasha, they're just guests. They don't have any rights to anything. You know, uh, just because they used to live here and just because this is their parents' home, it doesn't make them any balabatim in the home. But I saw Shmuel Kamenetsky writes, he thinks, no, if kids move into their parents' house for Pesach and they're there already tonight, they could do badika on their room. Whatever their room is going to be, they could do a badika. I thought the, I always thought the opposite direction. I thought they're not considered anything. They're not even, the, it's not their house. In order to do badika, you have to either be an owner or a renter. They're nobody. The parents could throw them out on a whim. If they misbehave at the Seder, the parents could throw them out with the grandchildren. They wouldn't do it, but they could. There's no rights to, to anything. So I don't exactly understand the psak, but that's the way he paskets. We mentioned that the Zman for Badika Shamas is at Seisek Chavams. That's uh, well, anywhere between 805 and 810, depending how you calculate it. But the point is, you're not supposed to do anything really within a half an hour of that time. So which means, let's say, for example, you come home, you say, you know what, let's eat supper first. You're not allowed to eat supper. You're not allowed to eat a big meal before you do bedikah sometimes. You can grab a drink, maybe grab something light, something quick. But if you're going to sit down and have a gazunta supper, that's not allowed. You're not even really allowed to learn Torah. What we're doing over here is a little bit questionable if we're allowed to have a shir. So the reason why we're allowed to have a shir is because we're here, we're in the shul. We're not going to get schlepped here and stay here all night. Everyone's got somewhere to go. 
If you have a chavrusa, or you learn by yourself, and you sit down when you come home from Ayyav tonight, you plop down at your Gemara, that's wrong. You have to go do the Badika because we're afraid you're going to get so caught up in the Gemara, whatever you're learning, you might accidentally forget to do the Badika. Also, when a person comes home, you should make sure not to do any work. No activity. Don't start building things and fixing things and cashering things. Go straight to B'dikas Chametz because you're not allowed to do anything with an, in, in, in an interruption. Once the person makes the bracha on the B'dika, they're not supposed to be mafsik because you're not supposed to be mafsik between the bracha and when you finish the mitzvah. Me'ikar adin, the only time it's really ma'akiv is when you make the bracha before you do any B'dika. Let's say, for example, you make the bracha. Before you check for any Chametz, you ask your wife, no, what's for supper after B'dikas Chametz? Okay, we know where your mind is. You're hungry, I get it. But that's a hefsik. So there you were mafsik between the brach and you didn't even do any, any of the mitzvah yet. But let's say you started the bedikah. You did three bedrooms already. You already did three bedrooms. And then you get hungry and you ask your wife, no, what's for supper after the bedikah? So although that's not mutter lechadchila, you should not say any hefsik. That's not going to make you make another brach. Why is it different than eating an apple? Why is it different than eating an apple? Yeah. You take the first bite into the apple. You don't have to be whole... Not be mashed until you finish the apple. Right, because that's not a mitzvah. It's a, as much as you it's want a different type of bracha. It's not a bracha, it's a mitzvah. That's a bracha sanen. The mitzvah is not over. The hanah is over. I got my hanah already. That's all so I need. Correct, 100%. Mm-hmm. That's true. And all those people. That's correct. And all those people. And all those people who shake lulav in the morning before shul are not supposed to talk. 100%. It's wrong. All those people that are mocked with to shake lulav in the morning in the shul, and then they come to Davin, they're not supposed to talk. Yeah, 100%. That's what it says. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's considered a tzarech. You got a Davin, but you don't even have to. During Davin, you can't talk? Even during Davin, you can't talk. A chiddish, right? <laughs> a chiddish of the day. Okay. So um, after we do Bidikas Chametz, we have to say Kol Chamira. Kol Chamira is something that we have to be more uh, aware of. Kol Chamira is not just, you know, what, what people say, Tehillim Zogging. You got to know what you're saying. It's a declaration of relinquishing ownership. If you don't know what the words mean, it doesn't count. Someone puts a sitter in you and says, say these words. So, what did you say? I don't know. They told me to say it. It doesn't count. You got to know what the words mean. So you got to take a look inside and translate the words in your head. In my house, I try to translate it for those around us, uh, you know, for those who don't know. They should know what the words mean, that you're relinquishing and you're giving up all ownership of all the chametz. Because if not, it's just a game. Just to say magical words called kol chamira doesn't get you anywhere. So we have to be more careful for those that are perhaps not as knowledgeable. They should know what it, what it means. There's a couple of ha'aris about the B'dikas Chametz bracha. First of all, the bracha is, is most likely not what you would have wrote for the bracha. If someone asked you to pick the nusach bracha for the B'dikas Chametz, you would have thought the bracha should reflect the action. Livdoikas Chametz, al-B'dikas Chametz. That's not the text of the bracha. The text of the bracha is al-Bir Chametz. And why is it that way? Because we assume it's one long hemshech. Right? We, we don't say you're not allowed to talk between now and burning of the Chametz. Which might be a good idea, I don't know. You can't talk from the now until you burn the chametz. We're not machmer like that. But there is such a connection between now and the burning of the chametz which takes place tomorrow. The one thing which is interesting, and this Plinanda will talk a little bit maybe <coughs> over Pesach, maybe the second days, is this is this and one other place is where we have a mitzvah de Rabbonon that we don't say Shechayonu on, even though it comes Mizman Lezman. This is one. And the other one is Sfira Sa'imah. Svir Sa'imah is the other one where you have a mitzvah, which first of all is for sure the Rabban, and maybe even the rights according to many Rishonim, and we don't make a Shekhyanu. Very strange. It's a, it's a mitzvah that comes Mizman Lezman, and there's no Shekhyanu. So these two brachas are unique, that they both come Mizman Lezman, and they both don't have a Shekhyanu. Let's just talk a little bit <coughs> about Erev Pesach. So first of all, in Erev Pesach, there's a change in the David we should all be aware of. For Ashkenazim, we don't say Mizmul Asayit, and we don't say Lam Natech. 
Svardim grata do say mizmulasoid. Ashkenazim don't. There are more brings down the practice not to say mizmulasoid and not to say tachanun. Uh, tachanun, we haven't been saying that mizmulasoid and lamatzeyach, as Ashkenazim don't say, while the Svardim still say it. We talked a little bit before about the mitzvah of burning the chametz. So we're machmet to burn the chametz. But a lot of people don't realize that they're not really yoytzis reifas chametz. Well, what do they do? They take the chametz and they pour some, let's say they're trying to make the fire more geshmach. So they'll pour some form of uh, lighter fluid or whatever it's called on the chametz and they'll make the chametz unedible from that. So the Acharyan point out, you didn't even get the chumrah of burning it because you already made a nifsal through another means. So you yoytz according to the Tanakhama. So the whole fire was just a waste of time. Because if you want to burn it because you want to be machma for Rebbe Huda, so that means you have to make the chametz unedible because of ash, because of a fire. So if you're going to pour some lighter fluid on it to make the fire go better, but it became nifsal machil from the lighter fluid, you're not even yoytze shitas Rebbe Huda. Also, everyone knows that when you burn the chametz, you've got to make sure it's actually burnt, not just charcoal. A lot of times, especially if you throw in things that are thick and hard, they get charcoal on the outside, and the inside is extremely very edible. In that case, you weren't mekayim sreifus or tashpisu according to any of the different shitas. I want to talk about the million dollar question that everyone asks tomorrow, which is, how late can I eat chametz? That's very important. How late can I eat chametz? Everyone needs to know how late can I eat chametz. So this is, a, MS, a complicated question. It really shouldn't be so complicated. I told my Talmudim in Yeshiva, if, you want, if someone asks you that question, you want to annoy them, tell them very simple. The Mishnah says, Yaladi eat chametz up till the third hour. That's it. That's what you should tell them. If someone wants to know when, when saves Manachil's chametz, at the end of the third hour. I guarantee you won't have any friends after that. It doesn't answer anything. What time is that? Says in the Mishnah, at the end of the third hour. Okay, what time is that? I'm sorry, at the end of the fourth hour. The end of the third hour is Soiv Zman Kriyashma. The end of the fourth hour is Soiv Zman Tefillah, which is the same Zman that you're not allowed to eat Chometz. Then you have the end of the fifth hour, which is the last time you're allowed to have Hanafim Chometz, and therefore the last time you're allowed to burn the Chometz or sell the Chometz. The problem is, how do you calculate hours? How do you figure out an hour? So there's a famous machloikis between, everyone calls it the Magen Avram and the Gra. It's not correct. It's not the Magen Avram and the Gra. The more correct way of saying it is, it's the Gra versus the Chumas Hadesh. The Chumas Hadesh says you take the day, and you have to see where the day starts, where the day ends, and then you divide that into Shois, to Chalakim. So where does the day begin the day end? So the Chumas Hadesh held, the day starts at Alois and ends at Seis. That's what we call day. You divide that into 12 parts, and that's how you figure out the third hour, the fourth hour, the fifth hour. The Vilna Goin disagree. The Vilnagoyim says the way you calculate is you look at nates and you go to Shkia. Nates to Shkia, divide that into 12 parts, and that's how you calculate the day. Now, that Machloikis is relevant to so many Zmane Hayyim. That Machloikis is relevant to what time Aloy Seshachar is. That Machloikis is negated to when serves Man Kriyashma is, when serves Man Tfila is, when everything is. Because everything is going to depend on how you calculate the hours. So, how does this all play at Allah Cholamaisa? So, if you go to the in, in this machloikis between the, between the Vilna Goin and the Trumas Hadeshen, where did the Magen Avram come in? Everyone knows the Magen Avram's man Kriyishma. What did the Magen Avram say? What the Magen Avram said was that when it comes to Kriyishma, you should go like the Trumas Hadeshen. That's what it means, the Magen Avram. That's why I laugh when people say, what's the Magen Avram's man for Tefillah? The Magen Avram never weighed in on that. The Magen Avram weighed in only on one thing, Kriyishma. When it came to Kriyishma, the Magen Avram says you have to be machm. So it's a misnomer that people say, and people even write this on the sheets. What's the Magen Avram's man for Achila tomorrow? Well, the Magen Avram has nothing to do with this question. The Magen Avram never waited on this. So how do we pass him between the Magen Avram, how do we pass him between the Trumas Hadesh and the Vilna Gain? So what bothers me is, if you look in the <coughs> Mishnabura, the Mishnabura writes that you should be Machmer. You should be Machmer for the first Shita, and stop eating Chomet in the first Shita, not the Vilna Gain Shita. Now, what is interesting is, is that if you go to Mai's Manim, Ma'iz Manam gives you the Vilna Goin sheet, not the first sheet. I think I emailed them last year or two years ago and I asked them why. 
Mishnabur says to me, Machma, like the first Shita. So why are you guys giving the second Shita? I don't remember if they answered me this or this was my own answer, is because at the end of the day, usually we follow the Vilna Goin, right? When it comes to Zman Kriyashma, if Moshe writes in the Tshuva, then in Europe, everyone used the Vilna Goin for, for Kriyashma. If Kriyashma is a Deiraisin, you can use the Vilna Goin. This is only a Deirabonin, you can use the Vilna Goin also. But the Mishnabur does right, to be fair and honest, the Mishnabur does right, you should try to get the earlier sheet. So how does this all play out? So, Sevzman Achilles Chomet says again, it's at the end of the fourth hour. So how do you calculate that? So according to the Vilna Goin, it's approximately 1050. According to the Magen Avram, it depends. How do you learn the Magen Avram? What they call the Magen Avram. It depends how you calculate Aloy Seshachar. If Aloy Seshachar is a set 72 minutes before the Nates, so then it comes out to be 1026. The problem is, as we proved many times here, that's the incorrect way to calculate Aloy Seshachar. The more correct way to calculate Aloy Seshachar is with degrees, which would take us approximately to 1022. So in my opinion, the proper time to stop eating Chomets tomorrow should be 1022. Now, Bidiyeved, again, it's hard to know what the Bidiyeved is. What Bidiyeved, you need that bagel, you need that donut, what's the Bidiyeved? <laughs> you can't go without the donut. Okay, if a person needs to eat chametz, then he can be saimich on the vilnagoyin. But the Mishnah Brewer says the chachil to be saimich on the other shita, and the correct way to get the other shita is ten twenty two. What about for burning chametz and for selling chametz? So again, according to the vilnagoyin, you have much more time. According to the vilnagoyin, it's eleven fifty four. So here already, I hear why one would be machmer for the vilnagoyin, because if you're going to go like the other shita, you're going to lose out on a mitzvah. If you go like the other sheet, you say, well, it's already uh, 1140, 1142, I can't do Sveif chametz. No, I would tell you no. Go burn the chametz, be yitz, at least according to the Gra. I just don't see the tzayich to need to eat chametz that badly. That, that's where I'm coming from. So again, I don't know what this manam we have over there on the back. I think we used, what do we do on the back? I don't remember. But um, I, I think the more correct way is, is to use the mug, what they call the mug and avram, but the real version. So when it comes to Achila, I think it's 1022. But again, I think you have to keep in the back of your mind, there is a Vilna Goyen that's Mekel. But Lechatechila, try the, the other Shita. 1025 in the back. We have 1025 in the back. So that's the other version of the, what they call the Mag and Avram. And 1142. Right, so 1142 means we're also, meaning we're not using the Vilna Goyen. I, I would tell someone for sure to use the Vilna Goyen when it comes to Sreifa. And if a guy wakes up at 11.45 and says, I, I forgot to burn my chametz, I forgot to sell my chametz. I say, no, go, go. You still have whatever, uh, six minutes, whatever, nine minutes according to the Vilna Goyen. Because there it's a question of losing out on a mitzvah. I wouldn't tell, someone called me up tomorrow at 10.30 and said, can I still eat chametz? I need that last bagel, I need that last donut. So according to the Vilna Goyen, you have another, whatever it was, another uh, 20 minutes. According to the other sheet, you already passed his month. I don't, again, maybe I don't have the same type of chametz as I should. I, you gotta be miyasha where that came from. But in any case, that's I think what the sheet, that's what I think this manam should be. But again, I think keep, Ramosh has it right. Ramosh has a different, whole different surah of how to get this manam up. But I, I think that's what someone should keep in mind for tomorrow, is try to get uh, everything done in the proper time. One last thing for tomorrow is remember that tomorrow after Chatzoyis is a shtikl yamtif. And for that reason, you're not, you're not supposed to shave or do certain malachas like cholamoyt. So let's say, for example, tomorrow you should try to shave before, before Chatzais. Try to get your laundry done. If that's your job at home, get the laundry done. However, it's mutra day goy. So let's say, for example, you have a cleaning lady coming tomorrow, which is a, a gewalter thing to have tomorrow. So she can do all the laundry she wants. But if you're going to do the laundry yourself, do it before Chatzais. If you're going to shave and get a haircut, please make sure to get it done tomorrow before Chatzais. But every year I get a call from somebody who forgot to. So there's a shach in your idea that's makele to take your own haircut, to, to shave Bidiyevit after Chatzois. But again, try to find a guy. In this neighborhood, it's a little hard to find a guy you should barber, but that would be the best. If you can't, you can do it yourself. But again, Lechatchila, try to get all that work, 
all that activity done before Chatzos this way, you're able to go into what the Gro calls a yomtiv of, of Erev Pesach with the proper halachic stat, proper mindset, with the proper uh, kavanas to be able to go into the yomtiv of Pesach. Okay.